good evening. Thank you for allowing me to come into your airports. On today's episode of I Need to See That, we will enter the world of slasher film. Hold on to your hat. I'm going to give the audience a peek behind the curtain uh, quickly because I've been editing the episodes the last, let's say, five episodes I've been editing. Uh, And how I do it is I I edit our audio. It sounds great. And then I run it through this filter that kind of like makes the audio sound a little bit better. Um, But when I do that, for some reason, Ethan's audio specifically kind of starts mumbling and like almost like a sarcastic mumble. Like, if I'm talking, you'll just hear Ethan sarcastically mumbling over my voice. Um, here's a here's an example of that. Ready? Is a remake of a made-for-TV movie based on a book. Do you hear that? Do you hear Ethan just sarcastically mumbling? Is for Ethan real? possessed? Yeah, did you hear that? So, I, um, this week, I was like, I'm going to figure out what the hell Ethan is saying under his breath. So, I bought Logic. And I downloaded like five different filters to try to clean up the audio. So I, first off, I, um, I, I took Ethan's audio, just, just his audio. This is what it sounds like. And I was like, what the hell is that? So I ran it through like five different filters. And this is a cleaned up version of this audio. I love Kevin Spacey so much. Spit in my mouth, Kevin Spacey. I want to salt burn you. Spacey is daddy. Anytime I feel bad, I'm like, wow, Eli's doing a lot of editing. I really, I should help out more. I should give him more time. This makes me feel so not bad. Yeah. Two things. One, I started laughing presenting that because I could tell by Ethan's face he knew what I was about to do from like a mile away. (laughs) His face, his face of like, oh, wow, I'm actually mumbling to shit, this is a bit. Damn it, Eli. <laughs> it was so fun. Like, his face of disappointment was funny. Uh, Ethan, do you want to hear the alt version of that joke? Yeah, definitely. Oh, we need that. Do you know what I miss? Epstein's Island. It was so clean. And the service was impeccable. <laughs> How often is Michelle woken up to you uh, coming up with a bit in the middle of the night? Michelle left me like three years ago. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, this is I Need to See That, a podcast about movies. I'm Eli. I'm Caroline. I'm Ethan. <laughs> Why do you sound so upset? When we because get every you, week. Why do I sound so upset? Because we're putting on the internet that I think that Jeffrey Epstein's Island had bad service. That's what you're upset about? Yeah, I would like it to not be a p- matter of public record. When I run for office, you heard it here first. <laughs> so Epstein's Island was two stars. Yeah, it wasn't really nice. Mm. Got really, got really don't, blown up in the press. Don't. You know. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, <laughs> Eli, you got us here. <laughs> This is the week I've been looking forward to. 
We are talking gore. Uh, We're talking slasher films. We're talking splatter films. We're talking giallo films. We're talking blood and guts and stabbing and death. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say when Caroline said the words, I do not watch scary movies, which spawned this whole month. She was talking specifically about this genre. Yeah. Is that right, Caroline? Yeah. And also, if we're talking about gore, does this mean we're talking about the Wicked trailer? How do we feel about the Wicked trailer? I'm nervous. I'm very nervous. I'm nervous about the movie because the trailer looks like a, a bit of a CGI mess. Mm-hmm. And I felt... Like, the reason I was excited for the Wicked movie was uh, In the Heights, I thought was a really good underrated movie musical that was really creative in some of its visual storytelling. I really liked the fabric coming off. I liked the dancing on the roof. I liked seeing the dancing through the window reflection. Like, there was just some really striking visual choices in that movie, and I was excited to see what the guy who did that could bring to Wicked and it seems like he marvel-fied. He ant-man-quantumaniaed Wicked and uh, I think, Caroline, you've said this a couple times and it's really stuck with me, which is the reason that part of the magic of Barbie was the production and like how it looked and the fact that it was real and they have the ability to build all these sets. It's a, a big blockbuster movie for god's sakes why didn't they build oz do it I, build it i think didn't they build it i don't Did know they? the trailer makes it, it looks look green screening yeah green screening. i need to do more research yeah. on it but it's uh it's also i will say one of my other big concerns is that cynthia rebo one of most one of our most incredible voices is not the age of alphaba that has been my concern and like looking in the trailer i was like she doesn't look like someone that i would see in a boarding school like I, it just uh, I that is and I will say that riff is one of the most iconic riffs you are going to hear in your lifetime, and it left me feeling. Eh. I'll tell you why I don't worry about Cynthia Erivo's age is because I watched uh, a movie called Meat Cleaver Massacre this week, which featured certainly four. 75 year old men passing off as college <laughs> students so i'm i'm changed and beyond any need to be age appropriate in these movies okay fair i am so fair. excited to talk about gore uh ethan what's your history with with slasher films or splatter films so this was really interesting because my comedy horror list i had 40 movies that i was choosing from my creature list i had 40 movies that i was choosing from my gore list i don't have that many i i realized that i i don't seek out some of these slasher movies uh it's just it's sort of the subgenre that i not intentionally avoid but i just have a pretty big gap and there's a fine line between entertaining gore and i can't watch this torture porn and we see that throughout throughout the movies. Some of the movies I'm going to talk about, I can't even watch. I Spit on Your Grave is a movie that has kind of become a cult classic, but it it I can't watch it. It's too violent. It's too problematic. I can't. It, it's a, it's it's not necessarily a fun watch as much as it is 
a reaction to censorship at the time, uh, a freedom to speak your voice, a reaction to the production code of previous decades. Throughout these movies, this is where the, a lot of the tropes of horror come. All right, so you, you get repeated themes of, you know, uber violence and almost cartoonish blood splatter. Um, every movie is trying to innovate how they how they have death scenes. So you get a ton of innovative deaths. It, they play on audience fears of death or bodily harm or pain. You get themes of punishing the wicked or sinful uh, or a loss of innocence. And, and there's a lot of themes of voyeurism in all of these all of these movies. But this is also where you get the rules, the rules of a slasher film, which uh, Jamie Kennedy's character in Scream really perfectly lays out. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. <laughs> Big no no! Big no! So it's, it's no sex. If you have sex, you're going to die. If you... If you drink or, or, or take drugs, you're going to die. If you're alone in the house, you're going to die. Or if you say, I'll be right back, you're going to die. Um, if you are a sinner, you're going to get punished. That's basically what these movies are, right? And uh, there are a couple other trends that you start to see, like like The Final Girl, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And I also have to I have to point out the trope that we see in in... I can name probably five movies right now, which is the black character dies first, okay. which is a fascinating trend that could probably be its own podcast episode. If well, we, if it we also look into was, it. was comedically represented as the blackening last summer, uh, written by Chicago's own Dwayne Perkins. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was a great movie. It was mm -hmm. really funny. Caroline, are you looking forward to this? No. So let's continue. And now, listeners of the dead, we present the history of slasher films. Good night. So let's travel back, shall we, to Plainfield, Wisconsin, which, by the way, is about 90 minutes away from me right now. Uh, the year is 1957, and, and Bernice Warden has disappeared. Her son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, says he has a sales slip from his mom's store showing she, she sold antifreeze to a man the night before she disappeared, or the morning before she disappeared. Uh, so police went to this man's house, and here's what they found at this man's house. Ready? They found Bernice's decapitated body, naked, hanging upside down in his shed. They found a wastebasket made out of human skin. They found chairs made out of human skin. They found skulls on his bedposts. They found bowls made from human skulls. They found a corset made out of a female torso skin. They found masks made from the skin of female heads. They found leggings made from human legs. They found nine vulva in a shoebox. They found four noses. They found a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. They found a lampshade made out of a human face. This guy's name was Ed Gaines, if you if you didn't guess where I was going with this. What's up, What's the lotion in the basket? Yeah, 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 exactly. So his name is Ed Gaines. This is a real-life murder that happened in, uh, like I said, 1957. Um, and this got media attention like crazy. Just like true crime is all the rage right now, 
everyone was talking about serial killer Ed Gaines. Uh, it inspired so many books and soon an entire genre of movies. So characters who we're going to meet in the future, like Leatherface, Buffalo Bill, um, every character in the Rob Zombie movies, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, these are very much inspired by this real-life serial killer, Ed Gaines. And he also he also would hang out at L&L uh, Tavern on Clark and Belmont, which is oh, where I Chicago, spent yeah. three New Year's, and they were really fun New Year's. And that's why we called you the Ed Gaines of the improv scene in Thank Chicago. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Honored. Uh, Caroline, how are you doing so far? Um, I, I I didn't think that segment was going to end. I really thought that sentence was just going to keep going. Uh, at this point, I just feel like he was inventing body parts. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh... That's how I'm starting my day. <laughs> yeah, this is... You just woke up. Uh... <laughs> Ed Gaines inspired a book in 1959 written by Robert Block, Block, Blotch, Block, uh, called Psycho. Um, the character of Norman Bates, very much inspired by Ed Gaines. The next year in 1960, Psycho is made by Alfred Hitchcock, and that really kicks off the entire slasher genre. Psycho, of course, one of the best films ever made. Um, and you think about psycho do you think it's in black and white and then um, it's it's easy to say oh um all of his other movies come after psycho but hitchcock's already the the big deal he is now it's kind of like uh uh when kubrick made the shining he was already stanley kubrick alfred hitchcock is very much already alfred hitchcock he already made rear window he already made dial m for murder the wrong man vertigo north by north northwest and at this time he was working on his tv show alfred hitchcock presents he gets the script from Psycho. They rewrite it a couple times, and he goes, this should be a movie. But they had no budget to make it, so that's why it's in black and white to save money. They didn't have the money to film it in wow. color. Um, and it's also filmed by the crew of his television show, which I think is very fascinating. Um, Hitchcock, the entire time, fought the production code on censorship, um, had to recut a bunch of things. Um, and he also introduced a lot of rules that we end up seeing throughout the hor- the, the slaughter um, slasher film genre. For example, Janet Lee's character in the beginning has sex. You don't see it, obviously, because of the production code, but she has sex. And as we know, if you have sex in a horror movie, you're gonna die. Cool? Um, I also know, I know with, with Psycho that in order to not spoil the ending, that Hitchcock bought as many copies of the book as possible as to not spoil it for audiences, which is pretty cool. There's another big note on that, actually, Ethan. Uh, up until that time, you could buy a ticket for a movie at any time during the movie's run. So, like, you can you can buy a ticket, go in, and it's already, like, a third of the way over. And you just sit there and watch the movie, and then it would start again when it ended. Hitchcock is the one of the first filmmakers to say, no, if, if the movie started, you can't go in. You wow. have to wait until it Pass starts again. Name. Because the main character dies like right like yeah shockingly and that and that surprised the audience isn't that cool that is cool it's pretty rad uh that same year by the way so psycho is like the movie that kicks off the slasher genre but we like i said in in our um other horror episodes we need to we need to throw praise at the movie peeping tom as well this movie's directed by michael powell it's it it was filmed in the uk so it doesn't follow the production code uh 
it's about a like an innocent looking man who stabs women to death while filming them so he can see their reaction and and their face as they die. Uh, it's a brutal film, but it is a freaking brilliant film. Seek out if you like Psycho or early slasher films. Seek out the movie Peeping Tom. Okay. Um, Psycho's extremely popular. Uh. And in 1963, a director named Herschel Gordon Lewis says, "I I can I can ride this wave of of slasher." And he 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 makes the movie Blood Feast. Um, Blood Feast is considered the first splatter film. So uh, before Blood Feast came out in the late 50s, we talked last week about Hammerhead films. Those are that's the British remakes of of Dracula and Frankenstein and the Universal classic movies uh, starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Those movies are great because they're covered in blood because they didn't have to follow the production code. Uh, essentially, Herschel Gordon Lewis took that idea, added the slasher genre of Psycho, and made this extremely super violent, super bloody. It was independently made, so it didn't have to follow the production code. Uh, and it is, it's a brutal movie. And it, it very much creates this genre of splatter film, meaning ton of blood, ton of violence it's it's gory as hell um and it's an absolute cult hit uh trailers for Bloodfest included a warning uh that it is almost too violent and tickets to see blood feast sorry am i saying blood fest it's blood feast uh hey, tickets to see blood grosser. feast <laughs> blood feast tickets to see blood feast came with barf bags which is pretty cool ladies and gentlemen you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Uh, Her Herschel Gordon Lewis is the uh, ultimate master of horror, uh, according to Jason Bateman in the movie Juno. Um, he also made the movies... Uh, 2000 Maniacs in 1964, Color Me Bright Red in 1965, and of course, The Wizard of Gore in 1970. The Wizard of Gore? That is uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. He's the ultimate master of horror. Please. Dario Argento is so the ultimate master of horror. Argento? He's, he's all right. But Lewis is completely demented. Okay, we're talking about buckets of goo. I mean, there's red corn syrup all over the place. There's fake brains coming out the yin-yang. Quite frankly, this looks a little stupid. So now we have slasher film as a genre, and we have splatter as a genre. But in the meantime, let's go to Italy, shall we? Um, where they're starting to create giallo films. Um, think spaghetti westerns, but for horror movies. So giallo was a genre of Italian pulp books, known for their yellow covers. Giallo means yellow in Italian. Um, these became a popular film genre in the 60s and 70s. The themes of Giallo films um, are high body counts, like crazy high body counts, super creative kills, innovative filmmaking techniques. So for example, the POV from the killer's point of view, so you feel like you're the killer. Um, as, as Caroline, you watched Halloween this week. You're mm -hmm. gonna you've you've seen that kind of shot. Um, you get a lot of close-ups of kills or deaths, and uh, usually the plot is something like innocent person sees a murder, the murderer gets away, the innocent person follows the murderer, and chaos ensues. Um, one definition of giallo film that I really 
like that I read this week was um, think of an Agatha Christie novel where there are uh, murder mysteries with high body counts. Jallo focuses on the body counts instead of the mystery. I thought that was a really cool one. Uh, Two big, big names of the Jallo film are Dario Argento and Mario Bava. Um, uh, Mario Bava uh, in 1963 made the movie The Girl Who Knew Too Much, which many people consider the first Jallo movie. In 1964, made uh, Blood and the Black Lace. And in 1971, made a movie called A Bay of Blood, which I'm going to circle back to because that really inspires uh, the slasher films that we think about. Dario Argento, in the meantime, in 1970, made The Bird and the Crystal Plumage. In 1975, made Deep Red. In 1977, made Suspiria, which is kind of like a slasher film with witches. Um, And then there's a bunch of, there's a long list of Jalo films. Including these. These are just titles that I thought were funny. Uh, in 19, These all came out in 1972. There's, what have you done to Solange? I love a title that's a question. That's a character asking a question. Also, that's a question I had during the big fight in the elevator in 2015. Very good, Caroline. Very good. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. That's, 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 yeah, it's Beyonce good. week. <laughs> um, there's also, don't torture a duckling. And uh, this is my favorite title ever. I have not seen this movie, but I'm going to based on title alone. Your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. I really like that title. Uh, um, let's... Caroline just nodding, hoping it's over <laughs> soon. <laughs> let's, let's go back to A Bay of Blood because it really does create a template for slasher films to come. Uh, there's a masked killer, there's a theme of sex equals death, and there's extremely innovative, gruesome deaths. In fact, if you watch A Bay of Blood, which neither of you probably will, but you should, um, there are two death scenes that are absolutely recreated in the movie Friday the 13th Part 2. Anyway, I thought that was cool. Um, meanwhile, in the world of Splatter, in 1972, you get the movie The Last House on the Left, uh, directed by Wes Craven. In 1974, you get the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Toby Hooper. And in 1977, you get The Hills Have Eyes. But in 1974, another movie comes out, and it's called Black Christmas. This movie's out of Canada. And just like A Bay of Blood, I call it the prototype for all slasher films to come. Um, famously, you, 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 you get that POV shot from the killer's perspective. And there are the themes of, if you are alone in a room, you're going to get killed. Black Christmas very much inspired the next movie we're going to talk about, which is 1978's Halloween, which introduced us to a ton of tropes that we follow, including if you have sex, you're going to die. If you are the chaste or virginal or different girl, you're going to live. Um, this introduced us to the idea of the final girl trope, um, which is a trope in slasher films uh, where the where there's a, a, a quote unquote chaste or innocent girl who is the audience surrogate, and she's usually the one innocent virginal girl who withstands torture, pain, psychological trauma, and gets away at the end, but at a cost. Um, I ran into this quote from Carol J. Clover, who wrote a book called Men, Women, and Children, who said, Ahem, the final girl becomes masculinized through phallic appropriation by taking up a weapon, such as a knife or a chainsaw, against the killer. Caroline, you're nodding. Did you catch that? quote to or do you just agree with it no uh, that's what laurie did in halloween yeah absolutely yeah and you see it throughout endless slasher films yeah 
1980, you get these four movies. Friday the 13th, Mother's Day, Prom Night, Terror Trained. In 1981, you get Friday the 13th Part 2. You get Happy Birthday to Me. You get My Bloody Valentine. In 1982, you get Slumber Party Massacre, female directed. In 1983, you get Sleepaway Camp. In 1984, you get Silent Night, Deadly Night, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. In 1986, you get April Fool's Day. In 1988, you get Child's Play. Hey, a killer doll slasher film. Ethan, how do you feel about Child's Play? Um, I've never seen it. Oh, should I? You should see Child's Play. You'll okay. love it. I'll say it also has a connection to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We'll come back to that later. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I said this before, but throughout the 80s, you get a rise in VHS film. So you get a huge spike in super graphic, ultra violent, ultra gross, uh, gross out, probably cheaply made. Special effects guy has a bunch of corn syrup. So it says, let's make a movie. These are splatter films. So you get... I spit on your grave. You get uh, Peter Jackson's Bad Taste and Brain Dead. You get Cannibal Holocaust. You get Chopping Mall, which is one of my favorite movies. Chopping Mall, of course, is uh, teenagers stay in a mall to have sex, get hunted by the mall's security robots. Um, And then there's a movie called Intruder, which is a pretty um, graphic, gory movie. Uh, I mentioned the movie I Spit on Your Grave a couple times. That movie came out in 1974. Uh, Roger Ebert very famously called it a vile bag of garbage and a lot of other film critics called it the worst movie ever made Uh, in the UK a member of parliament named Graham Bright sponsored the Video Recordings Act this was a censorship bill um, that passed uh, and basically videos in the UK must be approved by the British Board of Film Classification Um, the director of public prosecutions created a list of films that he said violated the Obscene Publications Act of 1959. These films were illegal to own or distribute Mm. until as late as like the late 90s or early 2000s. That's how long it went up. And this, of course, is the Video Nasties list. Sorry, Ethan. It's the Video Nasties. Is that that okay? Thank you. Oh, Kali. Kali, what today? Um... Films that were on the Video Nasties list include Cannibal Holocaust, The Last House on the Left, The Evil Dead, I Spit on Your Grave, Zombie, which have you seen Zombie? Oh, it is gory as hell. That's a good movie. A Bay of Blood, which we already mentioned, Inferno, Dead and Buried, The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, Bloody Moon. Oh, what a good name. I love titles that it's clear that they came up with a title and then thought of a movie around it. (laughs) Bloody Moon. Flesh for Frankenstein. Cannibal Apocalypse. Blood Feast. And Zombie Flesh Eaters. And there's like... What's what's the last one? What's the last Uh, one about? Zombie Flesh Eaters? Yeah, what's it about? Bill Cosby. Cool. So in the... uh, in the 90s and the 2000s, so the, a big movie that came out is 1996's Scream, which we talked about in our in our uh, horror comedies uh, podcast, directed by Wes Craven. Um, what's cool about this one is during this, like a lot of sequels came out that just followed the killer, like all the Halloweens, all the Friday the 13th, all the 
Nightmare on Elm Streets, the child's plays. Um, but Scream, instead of following the same killer, because obviously the killer changes every movie, spoiler alert, uh, it followed the, the final girl. It followed Sydney through these movies, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then Scream is such a success that immediately people say, oh, let's make our own Scream. So you get Urban Legend in 1996, and I Know What You Did Last Summer in 1997. Um, and then in the late 90s, early 2000s, you get the genre of torture porn, uh, which is very much an offshoot of Splatter. So in 1999, you get the movie Audition, which, by the way, see the movie Audition. It's really good. Um, you get 2003, you got Wrong Turn. 2004, you get Saw. 2005, you get uh, the trio of Hostel, The Devil's Rejects, uh, and Wolf Creek. Um, and that tradition goes to this day. I, I, I'd put Terrifier in the torture porn um, category. Terrifier movies are awesome. Um, and that's that's the history of this genre. But what I, what I love about this exercise we've been doing is anyone can debate a genre and subgenres kind of leak into each other. For example, um, it's very possible to have supernatural in a slasher genre. For example, uh, Child's Play, like I said, is a killer doll, uh, but it's still very much a slasher. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is a demon dream killer <laughs> guy. Like, it's very much a slasher. I would say Final Destination can count as a slasher film oh, because oh, it, it's, oh, sure. it's, these, oh. it's these people being hunted. The serial killer that's hunting them is death is itself. Death. Yeah. The logs. The logs. <laughs> oh, the logs. Uh, another one I'd put is It Follows. Because It mm. Follows yeah. is supernatural, absolutely. But right. it it takes the tropes of serial killer films. The, the serial killer stalking you is, I don't know, is it is it a sex demon? Or is it an STD? It's, I, I love that movie. Um, it's good. And, and it also reminds me of... Uh, when we were doing monster movies, Ethan texted me, what about the movie Jaws? Because Jaws is a killer shark, but there's nothing supernatural about Jaws. And I said, I kind of count Jaws as a serial killer movie because sure. these people are being hunted by this shark. I don't know. It, it, it's a debate you could absolutely have. Uh, I think that that really does speak to, Eli, you said it a couple times. You love a movie that becomes a different movie. Uh -huh. Um and like the mashing of genres. And I think horror is one of like the best canvases to do that on is just uh -huh. throw five different genres into one. I agree when I was making my list, like I only have two true like slasher films in like the most traditional sense on my list. That's the history of slasher films. How did that well. go for y'all? Um, much like a slasher film, I thought it was never going to end. And, uh, but I learned, <laughs> I learned some things and, uh, this is still not a genre for me, but I, I was happy to learn so much about it. Also, I meant to say if I wanted torture porn, like watching audition, I'd watch my self tapes back. So that's my torture porn. I'd watch Ethan's real world audition. <laughs> Ethan, can you give us a glimpse of your real world audition? Hey everyone. My name's Ethan. <laughs> I like Nirvana. Listener at home, that's not AI Ethan. Ethan is doing this live. <laughs> it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. I agree. All right, Ethan, you want to get into our top five slasher films? Yes. Oh, and real quick, because I forgot to do this last week, uh, 
because Caroline watched Halloween this week, and we'll review it shortly, um, neither Ethan or I could put Halloween on our list. It would be high up on my list. It'd be number two on my list. Uh, for me, number five, and this is, again, sort of in the supernatural sense, is Candyman, the original Candyman, sure. which is a really enjoyable movie. Uh, Virginia Madsen's the star. They did a remake. I didn't see the remake, uh, but I thought that this held up really well. I was like, I think it's a 90s movie. Chicago, um, baby. Really... Yeah, Chicago. Good Chicago movie. My number five is Black Christmas. I, like I said, came out before Halloween, very much inspired Halloween. If, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a Canadian film. If you haven't seen it, it's it's bonkers and awesome and everything I love about the slasher genre. Uh, my number four was mentioned, Eli, in your list is Nightmare on Elm Street. Definitely also sort of a, a demon monster movie. But uh, again, what a great way to like reinterpret what a slasher could be. Let's put the slasher in their dreams. And I felt like in the last year, I watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street and the original Friday the 13th. And this movie is... Nightmare on Elm Street is really a good movie, whereas uh, Friday the 13th I thought was really not a good movie. Uh, this is just like, oh, it's well-made. It's interesting. The ending is really kind of mysterious. Uh, this is a good one. It's a good rewatch. Without stepping on the Doughboys uh, bit, can you give me a quick uh, uh, Freddy impression? Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> Very well done. <laughs> uh, my number four is A Bay of Blood. Already mentioned uh, Mario Baba's Jalo film. Uh, and just like Black Christmas, very much inspired Halloween and the other slasher films to come. My list is boring. I already mentioned all my movies. Anyway, that's, that's okay. That's well, here's one that we didn't mention because you... We talked about this, you know, yes, it's a slasher film, but gore, right? Like gore and blood and body. And I think that the one thing that you didn't talk about was uh, David Cronenberg and his body horror subgenre that he invented. You mentioned The Fly last week. Uh, hey. I rewatched Videodrome, and that movie is absolutely number three on my list. It is utterly disgusting. It is just guts and blood in the most grotesque way and it is uh everyone just used to be so much more perverted in the 80s maybe there's the cocaine but everyone mm -hmm. used to be a huge pervert and people aren't anymore and you know there's there's bad things that come with a society of pervs but the good thing is you get a movie like videodrome which is great ethan kraut 2028 more perverts more perverts <laughs> There's nothing perverted about a vagina chest. Oh, you're right. That's also a VCR. Yeah, yeah. That's also a VCR. Uh, Videodrome was on my uh, staff recommendation while at the video store I worked at. Uh. Um, my number three is It Follows. Yes, It Follows is it's that great. high up on mm -hmm. my list. It's uh, so Caroline, good. have you seen It Follows? You have. I have, I have, yeah. It's been a few years, but I really loved it. Um, I think... Okay, because a lot of my issues with this genre is specifically it's very violent towards women. And that's also, I think, why I tend to steer clear of this. And I think it follows, uh, it, it's it's more towards the scream trope where we follow the female more. We fi we follow the final girl. Um, so that's why I, I like it follows a lot. Awesome. Yeah, agreed. Ethan, what's your number two? 
My number two is Psycho. Uh, it's <laughs> Eli's shocked. <laughs> uh, Psycho's a really good movie. Caroline, have you seen it? It's been a hundred years, but yes, I've seen Psycho. Yeah, it's good. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to end it with starring Anne Hayes because that's the you pick the remake of Psycho. <laughs> yeah, I picked the Vince Vaughn <laughs> version. I love the Vince Vaughn version. Uh, my number two is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I said earlier. Uh, speaking of violence towards women, unfortunately, Caroline, uh-huh. um, I said earlier uh, that there is a fine line between movies I have a hard time watching and movies that are entertaining. Texas Chainsaw Massacre rides that line. Uh, crazy movie insane movie i also you know i i have to throw in texas chainsaw massacre 2 as well which is a comedy um both wild movies but if you haven't seen the original texas chainsaw massacre yes it's kind of hard to watch especially knowing about ed gaines's real life murders uh but it it's pretty damn entertaining and that is my number one is texas chainsaw massacre Uh, i think that beyond just the the slasher part of it it's how unsettling it is from top to bottom. It's not just Leatherface killing people. It is everyone in that house, like the brother. It is just uncomfortable and unsettling. And when you are in such an uncomfortable place, the scares work even better uh, for me. And that's why this movie just thought about it for a long time after because it really put me off in, in a good way. In a good way. And Ethan, you, of course, picked the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though. Not Starring Jessica Biel. Right? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Jessica Biel. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, and hilariously, my number one is Psycho. There we go. I think Psycho is one of the best movies ever made. The The theme song. The theme song sounds like uh-huh. stabbing. They did so much. The opening credits. I, I once in high school, I had a film class because uh, I went to a cool high school. Uh, in high school, I had a film class, and the and the teacher gave an entire lecture about the opening credits of Psycho, how they kind of cut in like a knife. It, it, there are so many filming techniques to put you in the mood of Psycho. It's it's remarkable. Mm. Uh, Ethan, amazing. do you have any special shout-outs? Uh, X. I really liked X. Yes. Uh, X. Have you seen Pearl yet? We talked no, about this I before. No, I will. Okay. Um, I have a couple... Sp- Special shout-outs. Like I said, go see Peeping Tom. It is an underrepresented movie. Um, the movie Man Bites Dog, which is a mockumentary that follows a serial killer, is a fascinating movie. Um, Bird in the Crystal Plumage, I already mentioned, Dario Argento's uh, Jello film. Uh, and there's a movie called Onibaba, which is one of my favorite movies ever made. It's a 1964 hey. Japanese horror war drama. I, I don't know if it would count as a slasher film. It is part killer movie, part ghost demon movie part war drama just like godzilla minus one i love so much because it's a war drama that features a godzilla this is a war drama that features serial killers and maybe a demon ghost samurai person um cool movie great movie see onibaba and those are our picks do you agree with them do you disagree with them email us at i need to see that pod at gmail.com or visit us at i need to see that.com and now the music cue um, someone's at my door. Keep going just because of the time, but I'll be right back. Okay. What if it's a killer? Oh, no. Eli, did you send someone there to kill Ethan during the podcast? Holy shit. Wouldn't that be so fun? Like, not like actually kill him, but like if I 
if I sent somebody in Tennessee who was wearing a Jason mask right as we were talking about this. I feel like you could hire someone online to do that next week. Caroline, you watched Halloween. I did. I did watch Halloween. Um, And so it's funny. That's my second John Carpenter movie I've had to watch in two weeks. Um, And it's funny. A Letterboxd review that I read pointed out that you see the foreshadowing. The kids are watching The Thing in Halloween. And he then makes The Thing four years later. So it's kind of like foreshadowing that he's going to do The Thing. Um, Okay. Halloween was much slower than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be nonstop stabby, uh, I think, throughout the movie. And it was way less stabby than I thought it uh, than it actually was. Because uh, like, you have the sister in the beginning, and then it's like the three later. Um, pretty much, it was like, if you show your breasts, you're going to die. Uh, that was essentially uh, the theme of Halloween. Um, and I think I realized, and I'd love to hear like both of you, I think in my, tw- like, okay, late teens, twenties, I think I was more of a lorry, but now I think I'd be one of the horny friends that would get murdered very quickly. Um, and I would love to know if we, either you think you're the final girl or do you think you're a horny person getting murdered early? God. If anything, I'm the doctor who's chasing Michael being <laughs> like, he's a, he's a sick boy. <laughs> He's a sick man. Look for the car. <laughs> also. And Ethan died. Ethan died in the credits. Ethan died. Ethan's not coming back. Um, It was also, I didn't realize it was set in Illinois. And I wanted to know, where were all the adults? Where were they? Like, did they all go to Galena? Like, where is everybody? Like, they just abandoned the town. As someone who babysat a lot in her 20s. I don't understand where the adults were. And also, as someone who babysat a lot during that time, the audacity of, like, the thought of having someone over to come have sex while I'm babysitting, I could never. I could, especially now, because like there's cameras and stuff, like typically when you're babysitting. I just, the boldness of those girls, I applaud them um, and for leaning into their horniness. Uh, all the adults are at the L&L Tavern with Ed Gain and in Ethan. Chicago. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Ed Ethan, the Ed Gain <laughs> of the improv community. <laughs> Um, but overall, I really liked it. I think uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was amazing. Um, and I understand like why she is the quote unquote final girl. Um, and uh, and it's it was interesting to read about how John Carpenter really wanted her for the movie because of her mother, and this was like kind of her big breakout. Um, but that which also segues into me talking about the actual breakout from the film is Kyle Richards. Which also, uh, I didn't realize Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't in any of the sequels until Halloween H2O. Is that right? Okay, so that's... That is correct. Yeah, so I, I didn't know anything about that. Um, so if you also, if you've also seen Halloween, it says introducing Kyle Richards. Now, Kyle Richards, uh, this is the most I'm ever going to talk about her positively because actually she's not one of my favorite housewives, but I do respect her as an OG who's been on all 13 seasons of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, which started in 2010. But at this point, Kyle had been on uh, many episodes of Little House on the Prairie, was on Escape to Witch Mountain with her sister, Kim Richards, who is also a child star. Um, and then they have their older half-sister, Kathy, who would later marry uh, Rick Hilton and is now Kathy Hilton, mother to Nikki and Paris Hilton, 
who would then star in 2005's uh, House of Wax remake. Um, it all comes back, but Kyle is aunt to Nikki in Paris. Um, and Kyle would continue to act throughout the years, um, and but would eventually become more of a mother, has four daughters, marries Mauricio Umansky, which you've probably heard this name a lot lately because there's a lot of, are they getting divorced? We don't really know right now, but they've throughout, they've kind of been the like the couple of the Housewives universe. Um, and in 2010, they were approaching Kyle and Kim to another network was approaching them to do a show. But uh, then Andy Cohen kind of got word of that, plus the combination of Lisa Vanderpump, uh, who had an incredible self-tape. Uh, they cast 2010, Real Housewives Beverly Hills, and the rest was pretty much herstory. Uh, as we also had Camille Grammer, ex-wife of Kelsey Grammer, and we had the one of the most iconic Housewives episodes, uh, The Dinner from Hell, where the inspiration for the show The Medium, starring Patricia Arquette, tells Kyle at this dinner that she will never be emotionally fulfilled and that her husband will leave her after all of her kids go to college. And that is sort of now playing out in season 13 where we don't know what's happening with their marriage. Uh, but because of this, in 2021, Halloween Kills came back and Lindsay was brought back. And uh, do you want to guess what studio produced Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends? Kelsey Grammer studio? Close. Very close. Universal, which also produces Bravo, and uh, which also produces Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So both the now the new iteration of Halloween is through Universal, which is then I think ultimately like part of like why Kyle was brought back as Lindsay. There was also a lot of backlash uh, during season ten of Housewives because she was filming Halloween Kills. And she had bangs and everyone hated her bangs. So in Halloween Ends, she wears fake bangs because she didn't want to have bangs again. Uh, but then in uh, for Halloween Ends, we bring uh, Jamie Lee Curtis comes on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills to hawk her charity, My Hand in Yours. And she hawks uh, would later be renamed the chicest wind chimes because of Dorit Kimsley, one of the housewives. And uh, then Jamie would show up at a reunion uh, and talk about the impact of the housewives giving them the largest day of donations because of her one appearance on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, and also, I mentioned Child's Play earlier. Jennifer Tilly, who is in the later films of Child's Play, uh, she um, is best friends with Sutton Strack, who is my current favorite housewife on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and has made multiple appearances on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And, uh, you know... Uh, I, again, I dislike Kyle for a lot of her things that she does on the show, but uh, to quote her famous tagline in this town, the show would be nothing without her. And I have to thank ha Halloween for it. Wow, Caroline. <laughs> that was incredible. I feel like I know a lot more about Housewives now. I don't want to put a gender on the audience who watches Real Housewives, but we have a 68% female identifying audience. And it will be amazing if our most listened to episode is gore because of a Real Housewives <laughs> radio essay created by I think Caroline. That it should be, I think that should be the title is like gore exclamation point in parentheses and a video es and an audio essay on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah. And, well, there's a lot more to I say like also I will say that Real Housewives of Beverly Hills I think is an extension of like the O.J. Simpson trial because there's a connection to the Kardashians. I think that like there's a universe with all that, but that's like a whole other episode that we could do. Thank you, Caroline. Um, overall grade of Halloween though, from overall, A to F. 
Um, okay, I gave it four stars on Letterboxd, so four out of five. That's good. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, B plus. Re- yeah, B plus. I thought I thought it was really good. Um, I still I think like Scream is like my uh, my A plus of like this genre, but I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Love it. Um, well, thank you, Caroline. And now it's that time of the show where we make Ethan watch a movie there's no way he wants to watch at all. This week we made him watch a movie whose title I already forgot. Ethan, what's this movie we made you watch? It's called Meat Cleaver Massacre. <laughs> Thank you so much. And Ethan, and how did that found go? It because, you found it because you Googled worst <laughs> slasher movie and this is what came up. Uh, Can you tell us what it's about? This is what the plot of this movie is. Uh, I think... The there is a college professor who teaches a course on like Gaelic monsters, and um, one student named Mason, who's very scary looking, uh, decides that he and his friends they want to go spook the professor at his home. They go to his home and they start killing the professor and kill his whole family, uh, for no reason. But then turns out the professor is only in a coma and the professor summons one of the Gaelic spirit demons that uh, he talked about in class. And one by one, this Gaelic spirit demon kills each of the four boys that were uh, that that killed his family. And that is what the movie is about. How many notes did you take? I took 18 notes, and let me just say, there is an overall note on top of this here. Um, none of the deaths were meat cleaver based. No one used a meat cleaver. The Gaelic monster didn't use a meat cleaver. The boys didn't use a meat cleaver. That's they bullshit. No like, scene took place in a freaking butcher. I don't know crazy okay Um, i took 18 notes number one this movie is about gaelic spirit (laughs) demons number six number six uh number six uh now mason killed the professor what's anyone's motivation for this and now they're killing the whole family why and by the way they never even killed them with a meat cleaver (laughs) number nine a guy took a hike by himself and he's getting visions of the person he murdered on a cactus. And now cactuses <laughs> are killing him, but they're invisible. Still no meat cleaver. <laughs> Number 13. A woman gave a priest a blowjob. It has nothing to do with the plot. These <laughs> are your best notes. You've never taken better notes. Let's end it. Number 18. Mason doesn't die. He's gone crazy. Maybe... Mason was the meat cleaver the whole time. Wow. This sounds like a show we improvised. Thank you, Ethan. Thanks, Ethan. Thank you, Ethan. That was, of course, Ethan's Reluctant Review. Next week, Ethan's Reluctant Review, I picked a doozy. Caroline, you didn't pick one, right? Can I I give him one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured you had one. Okay, great. So next week, we're doing psychological horror. So what's better than uh, Ethan's next review? Madam Webb. Thank you, Ethan, for going to see (laughs) Madam (laughs) Webb. Oh, no, and you don't even have a list. <laughs> you can't just use a reservation. He has to pay for it. Oh, Venmo request, Eli. I am. I'm going to Venmo request, Eli. Oh, my God. Oh God. What am I watching? 
Caroline, so next, Ethan, before you leave, um, Caroline, I'm I'm down. So next week's psychological horror, which I think is the horror you're really gonna like. I'm down yeah. to two options. Um, Don't look now, which is a 1973 uh, Donald Sutherland movie. It's it's a great movie. Okay. Um, or um, the Baba Duke from 2014. Um, I I think i have not seen don't look now but i'll also watch that um because i know that's something that i should watch the only other thing i was gonna say you know psychological will define it it's like have you seen silence of the lambs oh you know, yeah that's, a, that's, that's a pretty important one you have seen yeah, it? Yeah, have yeah, you yeah. seen rosemary's baby um have you seen i think i've seen most of it um you know mia okay. farrow was a fashion icon in that film yeah yeah i would do i would do don't look don't look now let's do don't look now it's a great movie that i'm sure um, a few people who listen to this have seen it's 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 quite a movie. Great. I have to go to a meeting. All right. Well, enjoy, um, Madam Webb. A meat cleaver meeting? Is it a meeting? A meat cleaver meeting. <laughs> we love you, meat cleavers. <laughs> we love you, meat cleavers. We love, let's get some meat cleaver spawn. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, that's bye. our show. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please remember no, to don't. rate, review, subscribe. No, I don't. Uh, and thank you to no, our uh, uh-huh. 68 no, percent female That's identifying AI, audience. No, I don't. Um, and no, as don't. always, no, 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 no. Ethan misses Epstein's Island. No, I don't. <laughs> I never have been there. This is all a joke. I do not condone this beating out on the internet. It is not okay. Ethan's late to his meeting because he has to tell them he's been defending his honor. (laughs) Christ. Okay, bye. 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 We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next 90 seconds.